AI helps people who aren't necessarily sort of 3D designers, game devs, programmers do all of that. You see a massive amount of creation happening in Minecraft, in Roblox, because it's easy. And like you bring AI on top of that to help people. And I think you can have something that's really compelling. Hello, welcome to the 88th episode of Floorcast, the NFT podcast. Today I am joined by Corwin. I know it's been a few weeks. He's been busy. Corwin, how are you? Uh, I'm doing wonderfully. Uh, sorry if I'm like breathing a little bit heavy. I, I left my flat a little bit late. The tube was delayed and then hopping on the lift. It was it was just slow. I just, oh my gosh, uh, I'm doing great though. I'm doing great though, Pat. It's so great to be back. I, I was happy I was able to make it with only a little bit five minutes late. I, I know when we had a live recording in New York a couple of weeks ago, you were an hour and a half late, but you know, I, I, I really pride myself in not being late. So I'm glad I was able to make it. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, when I said, uh, Corwin's been busy, CK raised his eyebrows in a quite surprised way. And then when you went on this kind of British American monologue, CK was basically frothing at the mouth in anger. And then just to top it all off, you slagged me off for being late <laughs> because Manhattan has the worst traffic in the world. It wasn't my fault. And I wasn't an hour and a half late. Also, to be honest, CK knew that there was a delay on the L. He knew you were taking the L and and he still didn't tell you. And you were stuck underground for like 30 minutes. It is, Corwin, it is I, I'm not his mother. I'm not going to help That's... him get from point A to point B. Oh, man. Anyway, CK, how are you? Hey, I, I'm good. I'm good. A bit conflicted this week. It was pouring yesterday, like cats and dogs weather. I think we had the back end of a hurricane or something. I've got a problem when it rains. Um, you know, being British, you'd think I just instinctively always be carrying an umbrella. But I'm also a northerner, so I never carry an umbrella and usually wear a T-shirt when it's freezing outside. So uh, I got soaked. It wasn't fun. Is yeah. it weird that I carry an umbrella everywhere? So only since I moved to New York. Maybe it's because I'm like a new New Yorker and I haven't experienced fully, but like... I've never seen you with an umbrella, Cohen. Um, I always carry an umbrella in my bag because like when I lived in California, it never rained ever. And now I'm like, now since I'm in New York, it randomly rains it's like a tropical rainforest here. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, like it was nice for a few minutes when it's like you have the heat and then you have the rain cooling it down. But then when the rain doesn't stop and gets heavier, you know, that, that's where it sort of jumps the shark for me. Jumps the shark. Jumps the shark. Is that a British term I should know about? Is that a saying? I saw Have you ever heard the saying, CK? Yeah, this is like an American TV Hollywood thing. It's like when um, Happy Days started uh, going downhill when the Fonz jumped over a shark with a motorcycle. Got it. Makes total sense. Anyway, in totally unrelated news to that, uh, Konami are launching a blockchain game called Project Zircon. All we know so far is that it will provide customers with a new co-creation experience by utilizing blockchain technology. Konami actually filed for the trademark Project Zircon back in March 2023, and the name pops up in a few Konami titles, such as uh, the monster card Zirconia in Yu-Gi-Oh, which is probably what Konami are most famously known for, alongside Pro Evolution Soccer. Uh, that used to be a great game. Um, CK, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, we're seeing more and more 
big publishers at least experiment or take on uh, a proper blockchain-based game. I mean, we've had a bunch of debates on this show about how Web3 a game needs to be before it gets to alienating uh, for a user base. But I guess we are seeing a lot of tailwinds. A lot of publishers are trying to build something in this space. Yeah, I mean, it, first of all, like it's just good to see someone who has a track record of making games actually making games in the web3 space like i i think that's a big part of the problem we've seen is like you know folks are sort of fairly adept at tokenomics and they build these sort of in-game economies with um you know the promise of web3 but the actual gameplay just isn't engaging it's not entertaining like konami like um square enix you know they they get games they've been making them for decades and I, I think if they can bring a lot of that talent and maybe some of their IP, you know, Project Zircon, Zircon uh, was in Castlevania and it's been across sort of a number of their games. I, I think these things stand a chance. And like, I, I think that's sort of, you know, the key to building, not just in Web3, but anything is, you know, you need a compelling experience, whether it's a game, whether it's an application. Um, and if you're not, doing that and if that's not your sort of north star and guiding principle um you're sort of a bit doomed to failure you know compared to some of the gaming news from last week with zynga i'm a lot more bullish here because these are fun games they're not just farming simulators uh, are sort of really shallow sort of button tappers uh so yeah i'm really sort of excited by this and like being sort of older I have very nostalgic sort of views of Castlevania and sort of Mario um, on the original NES. And, uh, you know, I, I think that sort of is biggest of draws anything in getting people in. CK, so you mentioned the Zanga game. Did you happen to pick up one of their NFTs? I saw that they're running right now. There was like, it was like 0.1 last week and I think like 0.4 or 0.5 this week. I haven't, you know, like with all these gaming things, like like I said, show me the game, then maybe I'll get interested in buying things. Yeah, that's me a Treeverse. Yeah, wait, I thought you were a Treeverse Maxi. What happened? I am. And okay, so then they like laid off like half their staff and then they're like sending me like e update emails every week. And they're like, well, we may not be ready until like, I think like next year. And it's like, I'm just like so anxious to play it like they show all this gameplay but i i honestly don't even think it's going to be ready until probably like spring next year for like just the closed beta and they have like a whole studio by the way not complaining i i bet it takes tons of time to make games but i mean i i feel like those games are always the most disappointing ones like where they try and bite off sort of more they can than they can chew i've been playing um starfield lately and th that's the same thing like people were expecting oh this is like Grand Theft Auto in space, you can do anything. No, this is actually sort of more of a loading screen simulator than anything else. Um, a loading screen simulator. Yeah, character select simulator is the best. Um, but my, my friend recently uh, pre-ordered that game to play early CK, and he said he was very disappointed as well. He's like, ah, like he was looking forward to playing it. I mean, so don't get me wrong, like with Starfield... I think Bethesda made the best choice to them, which is, yeah, you need to focus on the core bits of gameplay. I think it was just disappointing everyone who expected to be able to jump into a spaceship and sort of instantly fly around the universe and do all the monotonous stuff of actually flying around a big empty universe. Um, 
So, uh, you know, they did a good job to replace that with loading screens, I thought, if you're into the story, if you're into the gameplay. But I think you always have mismatched expectations that are just, you know, they exponentially increase the longer the game is in development and like the amount of money being poured into some of these titles. Um, you know, I, I can see that, you know, you're hyped about a game, you know, when we were kids, it used to be, oh, this is coming out next year. Now it's a case of, hey, this game we all want to play is coming out in like uh, two years time and it's been in development for the past decade. Um, you know, it must be great, right? Speaking of when games will launch, um, PUBG creator Crafton unveils over their NFT game with AI creation tools. All the buzzwords, CK. This platform will empower creators with, gener- with generative AI tools, enabling them to craft various game genres, including shooters, RPGs, and action RPGs, among others. The company has developed its own blockchain known as Settlers, specifically for this game. Over there seems poised to be a mobile game platform reminiscent of Roblox, powered by Epic Games' Unreal Engine 5. Gamers will have the opportunity to earn funds in Coinbase and Circle's US-backed stablecoin USDC through the Settlers blockchain. Cool. Um, AI and NFTs. What a great idea to build something with both of the things that gamers seem to absolutely hate these days. Um, (laughs) Why do gamers hate AI? I think um, it's because it puts the poor artists out of jobs. Um, There's been a lot of backlash lately where, you know, a a game developer has used AI for concept art or like a poster or something. Because, yeah, some poor artist isn't getting paid for that. Um, it's similar to what's going on in Hollywood right now with the writer's strike. Um, you know, the writers don't want to be replaced by AI and they want assurances that their work isn't being used to train AI. Honestly, to me, that's the most exciting part of this. Um, you know, I, I think the more that you can empower people to build worlds and experiences that they want to enjoy, actually, you, you get a really sort of sticky experience. Um, We've all sort of played like SimCity and sort of built um, sort of cities and sort of um, shared them with our friends. At least I have. I don't know if you guys have. Um, You know, I I think like AI sort of really sort of helps people who aren't necessarily sort of 3D designers, game devs, programmers do all of that. Um, You see a massive amount of creation happening in Minecraft, in Roblox, because it's easy and like you bring AI on top of that to help people. And I think you can have um, something that's really compelling. Now, this is a hard problem to solve, um, you know, with the sort of user-made games, user-generated content, like Sony tried it with, was it Dreams? Um, that didn't really go well. Um, I think there was something on Stadia that tried to do a similar thing. You know, I'm really curious, um, you know, how well they'll land the execution here and whether you can actually build compelling things that don't just feel like toys um, here. The blockchain part, I don't know. I feel like that's almost a side note. You know, I I think it's great that they're sort of thinking about this. And I'm assuming, you know, if I build a game with the AI tools and, you know, it's compelling, I can sell it on the chain and potentially make income. That's good. But let, let's see what the quality of the things coming out of the tools are to begin with. What do you think about them creating their own blockchain? I think that that's a, a given for most um, folks, especially in the game dev industry. Like They don't want to um, necessarily be 
um, beholden to the Ethereum Foundation, Solana, uh, anyone. They want their own chain where they can control the characteristics. They can have a much um, firmer grasp over the marketplace dynamics. Um, I don't mind that. I think it makes sense that taking blockchain technology, using it for what it's good at. And like blockchain does not mean that everything needs to be public um, and interoperable. It's a nice idea, but I can see why they're keeping this uh, closed at least while they build out the platform. Corwin, I mean, look, it looks as though all these publishers are trying to craft their own niche or first experiment game. We've got Symbiogenesis coming from the publisher that made Final Fantasy. The name's escaping me right now. Uh, Square Enix. There we go. Konami, Singer, that's why you're on the show. Um, <laughs> do you think any of these games have a shot uh, breaching the mainstream? I mean, CK mentioned that AI and crypto are hated by gamers. So yeah, I, I, I struggle to see, unless one of the games is so, so amazing, much virality and mainstreamness. I think when we're thinking about AAA publishers and AAA games, I don't think we're going to see it come mainstream because like CK is right. Like gamers hate NFTs. Gamers do not like blockchain stuff, a lot of them. However, I think when we look at, for example, DraftKings and these fantasy type games, like these card games, I think there will be, <laughs> I see your face, CK. I think there will be um, a lot more acceptance into this like type of stuff and like kind of get gamers like toes dipped in the water because gamers do love gambling <laughs> and they do love like stuff like that and if you look at like rainmakers like i think they did more volume than all the nft than all nfts like a couple days last week right yeah and from like ten thousand users as well or something like that yeah so i think in like a card games perspective or like a betting game type perspective like having that providence i, I don't know the, that right word on chain i think is going to help get gamers like eased into this however like like i said like from triple a games and stuff i don't know if it's gonna particularly make mass market right away um or anytime soon i i think one company that hasn't really came out and done this yet which i think would be really cool uh, i think it's like jagex like the developers of runescape somehow brought it into their game somehow for specific items or something that would be really cool i don't know if there's a need to obviously but like yeah, I, I think there's a, a mismatch in like how people sort of view gaming. Um, you know, some people play games to pass the time. Others um, play them because, you know, it's an interactive movie, essentially, where you're the main character. Others see it more like a slot machine. And, you know, one of those definitely sort of maps to the world of crypto and NFTs a lot better than some of the others. So I think it's like heavily dependent on the type of game. That said, you know, everyone is moving to in-app purchases um, and sort of building in-game economies, whether that is the primary sort of uh, mechanic, like a lot of these sort of trading card games, or whether it just adds a bit of extra sort of bling to your multiplayer character like you get in Grand Theft Auto. You know, I think there's areas where you can sort of jam blockchain in and it makes sense. I'm really curious, you know, this gaming hatred of NFTs, how much of it is um, just because people are tired of in-app purchases and they just want to buy a game once and not have to continually grind and sort of um, spend money to get the best? Um, you know, 
how much of it is people pissed off because um, a lot of Bitcoin miners bought the GPU that they were hoping to um, put in their gaming PC. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious to dig into some, some of the motivations there. I think you mentioned about like not having to buy continuously. I mean, that's just most digital programs right now, not let alone games, just like any apps i suppose there's either a subscription model very rarely do you get like a one-off payment for anything that gives you much value these days right yeah but i think you know the way the game industry has gone versus the app store like you look at the app store and it's been a race to the bottom you had sort of everyone falling over themselves to have the cheapest price thing in there so like you know a few dollars to get your app and now you know your subscription is equivalent to you know a few bucks a month, a coffee, a couple of coffees, like it's still relatively low priced if you're sort of thinking about the amount of use you're getting out of it. Whereas on the gaming side of things, because the sort of AAA sort of market has exploded, games are costing more to make. You've seen the price of your standard title creep up from like $40, $50, 60 to like, I think like 80 most of the sort of new PlayStation 5 titles are going for. And then on top of that, you still have additional purchases um, and uh, extra content. It's like, I don't know, publishers have stopped making sort of complete games. They're selling them when they're 50% done and they're still expecting you to pay more and more for the rest. Yeah, I suppose that the thing is though, like that just doesn't make sense to me, right? Like you buy a game, you play it, it takes you 30 hours, right? If you play a game that's free, but you spend 200 bucks and you spend 250 hours playing that, but like it's different every time, I, I see the value there. Like I think in terms of playtime versus cost, I think games overall are still really fairly priced. I, I think if you think about how much money you spend doing stuff in the real world and buying stuff in the real world compared to gaming in terms of hours per hour of cost it's exponentially different right like it's so much more expensive to go walk around new york right no the, walking around new york is free you just need to um run from the muggers <laughs> once in a while it's not it's it's not free to walk around new york it's i literally wait i wake up i take it i like Leave my flat, take a deep breath. Hundred dollars just gone from my bank account. What? Has someone got your pin number? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with like a lot of what CK saying. Before we move on to our final topic, uh, CK, what's the latest from Floor? Yeah. Um. So let's see. Um. This is Tuesday. So later this week, we have a partnership dropping with Zora. Um. We'll be seeing support in app for their new blockchain. And we'll also be doing a special mint um, that I think unlocks some special features. Um, beyond that, um, we're continuing to roll out our social product to um, beta testers, getting some great feedback. Um, if you're in the beta group, thank you. This is sort of really helping shape the direction we want to take the product. And then we're also just building a number of features um, to help users better value and estimate their portfolios. And those should be dropping over the next couple of weeks. It's really sort of invigorating to see the team executing on a number of different fronts and just adding more 
both more value and some insights into your NFT portfolio, but also giving you more reasons to come into the app. This week with our icons drop, we have a great piece from Gabe Weiss. And stay tuned early next week for an announcement of who will be our 10th icons artist and potentially some of the things we're going to do for the folks who've got the whole set. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. Spoiler, it's me. Wait, you're the artist? Or if someone has all 10, you go visit them? No, no, no. He like pet comes out of a cake at the end. Sings happy birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's either one or two things. I'm the artist for number 10, or if you collect all 10, you own me. Non-fungible person. Alrighty. All right, moving on. <laughs> the last topic. topic. Uh, Mark Cuban gets hacked for $870,000. Yo, I saw that. A week after Vitalik Buterin, the godfather of Ethereum, was also hacked. A different type of hack. A different Not type of hack. Swap. He was he was <laughs> he was sim swapped and people were tweeting a NFT mint from his tweet that drained about two hundred thousand bucks. But I CK, I don't know if you saw much about the Mark Cuban hack, like what actually happened there? Why did he get drained? What did he click? So from what I read on Cuban, he had an old version of MetaMask and I think he clicked something that sort of caused it to surrender its seed phrase. Um and then someone just took all his money, right? Something like that, yeah. Th that's nuts. Um, like, this is, I think, one of the big hindrances to um, adoption of Web3 at scale. You know, it's still very scary. You could, you go to onboard, you're given a 12-word, um, 24-word seed phrase that you're told, never copy and paste, never take a screenshot, but write it down or store it somewhere. I'm sure most people just screenshot it and put in notes, but um, that's a separate thing. And then, like, you never know what's going to happen when you click something. You start to get some wallets, um, sort of preview transactions and say, hey, if you click this, you know, these tokens will move around in this way. You know, that's great, but it's not the default. And just clicking a link or sort of, like it makes it hard to trust anything. Um, and there you end up with weird policies in Discord that you can't post links. It really sort of hurts the user experience. It's like, hey, you can only find out where to mint this thing if you talk to this guy Pet and uh, give him the password and then he'll sort of securely give you a link to go to the mint site. Um, ridiculous. I think, you know, this is an area where device vendors, wallet vendors, they need to be working a lot closer together to protect the security of their users. Um, and I, I think this is a great opportunity for end users to just think about their own security and how they're managing their online life. Like, do you have two-factor authentication turned on on your accounts? Um, do you have recovery codes stored in a secure place? Are you sharing credentials? Are you doing something stupid like using the same password everywhere? You know, there's lots of sort of just best practice things that users should be doing, but also that we should be educating people around. If you're an iPhone user, new iOS came out yesterday. You now can use pass keys that make just logging into websites more secure. Please go and set those up right away. I got SIM swapped about two years ago now. That was a scary experience. Some guy. What happened? Some guy went to. So, okay. 
so preface, I was sitting at home, just sort of chilling. Suddenly I lost reception on my phone. Like it, it was like no service. And like immediately it's sort of twigged. Someone has um, took, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, why not? Good. Yeah. Um, I love how like CK's like 30th episode here. Can I swear on Episode here? 88. Can I swear on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. So um, I lose service on my phone. I realize someone's probably hacked my SIM card. So I go like rushing to my computer, disconnected from the internet because like, like I'm worried they're in my iCloud account or something. They're going to like lock everything. So it's like, okay, let's just unplug everything and then let's assess the damage. And it turned out some guy had got my social security number from another data leak. They'd walked into a T-Mobile store. Um, that's one of the big carriers here in the US and convinced them that they were me um, and bought a device on my account that was tied to my phone number. And the amount of pain that caused both, like you don't realize how many things your phone number is attached to, but then also just navigating customer service. And it got to a point where I was sort of talking to a customer service rep explaining, hey, you've let someone hijack my account. When on the other line, you had the hacker um, saying, hey, someone's uh, hijacked my account. So we're sort of playing ping pong off each other. I'm sort of getting the account locked. The hacker is reactivating it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's just nuts. Um, the cell carriers have no protections around this if you're just a fast talker. And especially if you sort of have a low-level employee capable of just doing the SIM swap, you know, generally easy to convince. Yeah, it's just scary. And like, as a result of that, I switched my carrier. Um, I'm now on which I feel secure about because it's... You shouldn't be telling people carrier on. Oh, I shouldn't tell them. Okay. Um, But yeah, I'm on a carrier that is secured by like two-factor that I trust a lot more than your traditional phone carriers. Um, because they were actually born in the internet age and they know about security. Um, but yeah, like this sort of <laughs> hack, like even if it's just um, for like a day or so while you sort of get things back to normal, you can have tremendous sort of, you can wreak tremendous damage. Twitter, you just need a phone number to get into someone's account. Um, if you go through the right sort of reset flow, it can obviously get you into email and sort of everything else. But yeah, not a fun experience at all. Um, and I can see why, you know, such um, catastrophic things come out of it. You know, you have someone like Vitalik. I mean, first of all, I question why he wasn't sort of um, using better security, both on his carrier and his Twitter account. But, you know, as soon as someone like that tweets something, you know, people are going to click because they think they trust him. It's like a, a few years ago when like Tim Cook and a few other folks Twitter's account were hacked um, and the same thing happened it's like posting a link to mint something or just sort of, um, win some crypto and it ended up um, stealing everyone's money nuts uh, where are we in terms of the improvement of security in kind of crypto more broadly CK like what are some of the things that you'd like to see happen before more people start adopting any of this technology yeah I mean, one, and we always come back to this, is like, can we um, build our wallet into these devices? Um, you know, having your wallet um, stored in the secure element of your iPhone, um, accessible through the wallet app, um, et cetera, I, I think is sort of a good start. It cuts out a lot of the issues around recovery codes, private keys, 
and just the hygiene around keeping those secure. Um, so, you know, that's certainly one area where, you know, long-term, I hope we get there. Short-term, you know, everyone uses MetaMask. I don't think we're getting away from that. Um, with support for account abstraction and um, smart contract wallets um, now in general availability on Ethereum, I'd love to see either MetaMask or someone else actually sort of take the step of building a wallet that has two-factor authentication that I can authenticate against a passkey, a biometric identity, or something else um, whenever I want to make a transaction. Or, you know, if I set a rule like, hey, I'm signing this with my wallet, but if you want to transfer more than a certain amount of tokens, amount of money, NFTs, or whatever, you need that sort of second layer of protection. Like, I think that's the biggest thing that we can do today to really sort of secure our crypto yeah i think the the phone element is going to be one of the the biggest for sure going forward i think we, we talked about it on the last episode in terms of um or two episodes ago in terms of apple opening stuff up so developers can build stuff for the app store but then eventually apple having their own capabilities to allow for just much more easy seamless and safe interactions with blockchains right at the at the bare bones yeah I, I mean a lot needs to happen for us to get there you know i think you need a lot more adoption of blockchain and that that doesn't mean just go get everyone to sign up for a metamask um you know it, blockchain as far as i'm concerned is a technology platform and it needs adopters it needs people building around blockchains and the specific benefits of that whether that's game devs whether that's traditional Web2 businesses, like, you know, the the more um, ubiquitous the technology gets, the more um, incentive there will be for folks like Apple to go and do stuff. And then I think you, you also have that sort of cultural change in acceptance of blockchain. We just talked about how gamers hate it. Um, I think it's still a very polarizing technology based on how it's being used. Um, that probably gives Apple, Google some second thoughts if they are considering deep integrations there. I, I would love my wallet to be on my phone. I just, in a secure sense, integrated. Um, I just don't know the time frame that's going to happen. I think we will leave it there. Um, Corwin, any final thoughts before we leave? No, no final thoughts. I it's unfortunate to see the Mark Cuban situation and the Vitalik situation last week, but I mean, I, I think Mark Cuban will be okay. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, actually, 800K, he owns like what a couple sports teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, it still sucks. Like, I think it's more the optics, you know. Like a lot of people yeah. might think, oh, if Mark Cuban can get hacked, then I'll definitely get hacked. And I think that's the most damaging thing. Yeah, same with the. Vitalik situation like you think he would be the most secure person but I mean it turns out it was like a loophole in like the it was Twitter X yeah yeah it was a loophole in Twitter but also why is the most important person the most targeted person in crypto on T-Mobile and able to get that easily swim swapped T-Mobile are actually very cheap um, and they have good plans they're just shit I know I know so yeah so like there, there's actually a really good episode of Darknet Diaries on a, a professional sim swapper, and he literally says that T-Mobile is the easiest to do out of every single carrier and the cheapest to do. But still, how is there like no protections on his account? The pound of Ethereum? Are you serious? Like what? It's, it just 
I don't know. Anyway, uh, CK, where can people find out more about you? You can find me on floor.social forward slash CK. Awesome. And uh, Corwin? Yeah, I don't want to be found. You can't find me anywhere. Doesn't want to be too sim swapped. Fair enough. Uh, you can find me at Pet Berisha, P E T B E R I S H A, on X uh, or in the Floor Discord. Uh, Corwin, are you going to give us anything or still too scared of being sim swapped? Too scared of being sim swapped. Don't find me anywhere. Fair enough. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter or X, sorry, at Floorcast, the Floorcast on X, and you can find Floor at Floor on X. Uh, just remember that none of what we have said is financial advice, just great advice, and we'll have more Floorcast for you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you.